Thank you. Thank you for that welcome. <clears throat> and uh, a big welcome to everyone who's joining us in Cambridge, Leicester, online, and to you guys here in the room. And welcome to part six of our series, Does God Care? Where today we're going to be starting a two-week series answering the question, Does God Care About Our Finances? Which I believe is maybe the most relevant question we, tr we could try to answer in the season that we're in. And as per, kind of spoiler alert, as per every single message in this season, the answer is a big, fat, resounding yes, God does care about our finances and that includes yours. Now as you go back to the book of Genesis, which is where we've been launching this series from, you go back to how God made the world and we see God creates a physical, material world. Do you know that matter matters to God? He creates an incredible physical environment and then he puts human beings in the middle of it and he says this to them. He says, look, I have given you every, say every, every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all, say all, all the fruit trees for your food. So imagine for a minute being part of the Garden of Eden. Everywhere you look, there are gorgeous fruit trees full of pineapples and mangoes and apples and oranges and fruitier than any fruit you've ever had, juicier than every fruit you've ever eaten and miracle of miracles, sprouts that taste good. God creates this world, he puts man in it and he produces this environment that says really effectively is saying, look, human beings, I want to provide for your every need in outrageous abundance. I'm sure for Adam and Eve, the idea of being anxious or fearful about provision would have been contrary to their nature. They didn't even know what the question meant. They were supremely confident God would provide for their need in abundance all there for the taking. Yeah, they had to play their part, but it was there for the taking for them. Now, how many of you agree we don't live in a world like that? Go on, give me a wave. How many of you agree the world isn't like that right now? Okay, right now we live in a world of inflation, of food shortages, of war, all kinds of, right now, many of you may be facing that terrible choice about heating or eating. We don't live in a world that looks like Eden. Uh, in a, a recent survey, government survey here in the UK, 93% of people in the UK reported their, their cost of living had increased compared with a year ago. 80% of them said their cost of living had increased in the last month. And eight out of 10 said they were either very worried or somewhat worried about how they were gonna handle the cost of living crisis. And I will guess I don't need to be a prophet to know wherever you are today that there'll be people who would identify with that and would say, right now, I feel fearful or anxious about how on earth we're gonna get through this season. Now, as we head into this two-week series then, I wanna lay a foundation for you because the same God who provided an abundance for Adam and Eve also came in human form in Jesus, died on a cross, rose from the dead to say, even though the world may not have changed, I want to provide for your every need. He is the same God he wants there. He's just as good as he's always been. We just live in a different world. I wanna give you a scripture, Philippians 4, as a foundation for these next two weeks. Paul, he writes this, I love this. He says, I have learned 
Say learned. You're going to know that word in a minute. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, just to be clear, these verses are given in the context of material need. Paul is writing about our God's capacity to care for us in the midst of physical lack. Now, here's the goal. What does Paul say? Here's the goal. Imagine this, of living with such contentment on the inside of your life that you are not afraid, you're not fearful of what else is going to come up in this coming season. I love that word contentment. It means peace. It means rest. That at the core of your being, God would have people like you and me deeply secure, whether we have much or we have little. Imagine that, no more anxiety about where the next bill is gonna be paid. No more fear about whether you're gonna be choosing heating or eating, but a strong sense in the middle of your life that I'm gonna be okay. Not because you're strong, but because Jesus is strong and because he is able. How many of you say that's a good vision to pursue? Well, Paul, thank you. Well, what I wanna look at today is if that can be true for Paul, it can actually be true for you and me here today in this year, 2022. But I want you to think about, what I want to focus in today is the idea that just as Paul learned, notice he said, I have learned to be content, that you can learn how to trust God more. I think we often think of the idea of trusting God for our finances as being like a fixed thing. It's something you either do or you don't. But actually what Paul is saying, and this is good news, is you can grow in your level of trust. The things you don't trust for him right now, you can learn to trust him for in the future. I want you to think of your capacity to trust God as being like a muscle. A muscle that can grow and get stronger. And you might feel right now like your trust muscle in God's ability to care for you is weak. Maybe you used to think it was strong, but actually the weight of this current circumstance made you feel like, I can't cope, I can't handle this, the weight is too much. Well, I have good news for you today. I have good news for all of us today that we can learn to grow that trust muscle. So how does a muscle grow? Well, I am not an expert in these things, as you can probably see. Um, how do you, thank you, Phil. Um, you can grow trust muscle just as you can grow physical muscle. It needs two things. It needs right nutrition, food, say food to someone next to you, and it needs exercise. Say exercise. Okay, you need, my understanding is you need both to grow a strong muscle. So here we go. We're gonna look how you and I can grow a stronger trust muscle in God's capacity to provide for our needs in this season. Number one, feed on God's promises of provision. How, how, how do we strengthen our capacity to trust in God? Well, we need to feed on all of it says in the Bible about how much God wants to provide for our needs. And when I say feed, I'm not talking popcorn. I'm not talking cheesy what's-its, that you eat it and then kind of a few minutes later you think, where did that go? I'm talking good, solid, protein, meat that you've got to chew over, you've got to get it in your system, you've got to get it right down in there until it becomes strength 
to you. Now, the Bible is absolutely chock full of stories and promises that God gives to people like you and me of how much He wants to provide for our needs. But I wanna give you three, three simple truths today from God's Word that if you like, I'm gonna lob a few stakes out to you for you to chew over. And these are the three. God knows, God cares, God is able. Just say these three with me. God knows, God cares, God is able. Let me briefly unpack them, okay? God knows. Matthew chapter six, Jesus is teaching his followers how to pray. And he says this great little phrase. He says, before you pray, he says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And he goes on to say, this then is how you should pray. Give us today our daily bread. Our call to pray, God help me with my material need today is in the context, God knows what you need. Do you know, I wanna say to you today, whatever your need is that right now you're thinking of, God already knows. He knows the level of rent you're having to pay. He knows how hard some of you are working just to make ends meet. He knows the level of inflation. In fact, he knows more than the government knows about what lies ahead. But second, he doesn't just know, he cares. You know, the Bible doesn't paint a picture of a distant God who's kind of, we're struggling and he's at a distant watching what's going on. He is a God who cares passionately. In Matthew chapter eight, we see a wonderful story. Many of you will know it, the feeding of the 4,000, where, where Jesus has in front of him thousands of people who've been with him for three days. Now, after three days, Jesus is such a brilliant teacher, they've stayed for three days and they've eaten nothing. Hopefully, many of us are gonna know what that like, feels like on a Wednesday evening this week as we head into our three-day fast. But anyway, how does Jesus feel when he sees, feel hungry, sees people feeling hungry? He says this, he says, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. Have you ever thought about that? When you feel that there is a, a lack of resources in your life, God doesn't just know about it, He is moved with compassion in the core of His being. And when we say God is compassionate, it's not a distant compassion, it's a compassion that wants to do something for you in those circumstances. God knows, God cares, and third, God is able. I think this is the crucial question for many of us. It's great to know God knows, it's great to know He cares, but can He really, can He really do something that actually alleviates my fear in the midst of the current circumstances that we're in? Well, in that, that same story, this amazing story, and I believe it happened as it's described in the Bible, you've got an unprecedented, insurmountable need. Thousands of people who are hungry, and you've got inadequate provision couple of kippers and a few Warburton's loaves. In the space of people bringing their inadequate provision to Jesus, he physically multiplies it and we read the people ate and were satisfied. Even afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The resounding message of the Bible is God knows, God cares, and he is able. Now, normally, wouldn't it be wonderful or wouldn't it make life easy if Jesus did that all the time? If we just, you know, you sat down, boom, there was, there was your, your roast chicken there on your table. But actually normally, nowadays, God seems to work in natural ways through people like you and me. I, I, as I was preparing for today, I was chatting with my wife, Zira, about 
times when we've seen God provide for our material needs. And she reminded me how we were in a situation like this many years ago and we lived, we were living in Africa, Senegal, West Africa, and we were serving a charity. And um, let's just say money was tight. And if you work in a charity, you probably know what I mean, but it was seriously tight. And then it got overwhelming because I got dental pain. Anyone ever had dental pain? So I God, please heal me immediately. And the dental price for that was more than we could afford. Until that same week, we got a gift from my mum that covered the cost with a bit left over. Now, the amazing thing was, this is how long ago it was. In those days, it took two months for the money to get from the UK to West Africa. Yeah, <laughs> that's how long ago it was. But the, the, so somehow God had prompted my mum two months earlier to say, send provision to your son and his wife over there in Africa. Send just what he needs, not too much. And it came at exactly the right time, exactly when we need it. Isn't God amazing? <clears throat> and, and I don't say that to say we're amazing. It's to say God is amazing. He sees, he knows, he cares, and he is able. But here's the thing. What I want to say to you is I can say these truths, but they only really get into us when we start to feed on them and actually nourish our whole, that inner muscle, that trust in God. And it may be today, if you're honest, if you roll up your sleeve and you have a look at the strength of your bicep, let's call it there, whatever that's called, that actually it's emaciated. It's so weak at the moment. It's how on earth can I cope in this season? Well, I want to say, feed on these truths. Get them into your system. I don't know about you, the time when I most struggle with fear and anxiety is first thing in the morning. Like Greg Sherat said a couple of weeks ago, it's like there's a part of me that wakes up and goes, oh, you need to worry about this, 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 and this. And if I'm not careful, I get into the day full of anxiety. Well, how about having a steak? that you've been feeding on, that actually you begin your day with, no, God is my Father. I remind myself He's good. He knows what I need. He cares for me and He's able to provide. Or take Psalm 23 verse one and almost declare to yourself, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He's for me. You can start your day by getting that in your system, almost going, no, I'm not gonna let those fears come in and, and make my, my trust muscle weak. I'm gonna get it strong on the inside. That, that's why Jesus then says, pray, Father, give us today our daily bread, even though he already needs, because he wants you to exercise your trust muscle by asking him for what you need. It's, he doesn't just lob things at us from a distance. He goes, partner with me, see what I will do in answer to your prayers and let that build trust in me on the inside of you. Start your day well, but then what about those moments in your day? Have you ever had that? You watch the news or social media or you get a, a bill that comes unexpected. You're like, oh no, what am I gonna do? Well, have, have these verses in you. Here's one of my favorites. This, this is like, this is, you could feed on this verse for the rest of your life, never reach the end of it. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, again, this is in the context of, of material provision. It's not about some vague spirituality. Paul says this, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good deed. There are seven, seven times there in one sentence, Paul uses extreme language. And I love to take these and say, I'm gonna make it my verse. Arthur Simon Deeks, that's me by the way. God is able to make all grace abound to you 
Simon, so that having all sufficiency, Simon, in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work in Jesus' name. Is that worth an amen? Come on, let's get hold of God's word. Now, I want to tell you, as you consistently, and you need to do this consistently and steadily, many of you, you know, this is not have a snack on a Sunday. This is feed that muscle day after day until you start to feel the strength and the trust, the confidence in God coming on the inside. But here's the thing. Yes, you need to feed it, but you also need to exercise it. My understanding is that if you just feed a physical muscle, but you don't exercise it, that your body will use that input in another place in your body. So we don't want flabby trust muscles, do we? We want strong trust muscles. And you actually have to exercise it. You have to do press-ups. You're looking pleased about this. You have to go out and run. You have to trust that, use that muscle and actually stretch where it's at now to make it get stronger. Now, what does that mean? How do we stretch our trust muscle? Well, it's really about obedience to the commands and trust in the promises of God. If you go back to the book of Genesis, yes, here's this amazing material provision, but we see the Adam and Eve didn't lie in some holy jacuzzi while God turned up with the angels and they lobbed grapes in and they came up with a roast chicken, they, they dropped it into their mouths. They had to play their part. It says this, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care for it. So there is a part that you and I have to play in seeing God's provision released into our lives. And that trust muscle grows, you exercise it by walking in obedience to God. Uh, and there's this amazing, like, virtuous cycle that takes place, in my experience. God calls you to do something. It's a bit scary, feels like a stretch. You step out in obedience. God meets you in that place. And actually what happens is your trust increases. And then you get to another place where he, t he says, come on, let's go again. Let's test that muscle. It gets stronger. You see it comes through for you. And gradually, your strength in God grows. Just, just this last week, as I was meeting with a, the men's huddle, um, so like a small group that I'm a part of. We were encouraging one another about our stories of God's provision to our need. And we saw that cycle again and again. Chris, Chris Sharman, who's our Cambridge uh, campus pastor, he told about how uh, he and his wife Annabelle were praying about, should we get a bigger house? It's actually a house they could afford. But they felt God said to them, no, this is a season to, to not do that, but actually be to be placed where I can pour extra provision through your life. And they said, we, we pray, God give us margin so we can be a channel for the blessing of God. That week, a member of the church said to them, I feel compelled to give you an extra gift of money. God was meeting their prayer. They positioned themselves, extra blessing came in and through them. Josh, who's our, our campus pastor in Leicester, he was telling us how one of the yearly offerings, he and Chrissy had felt called by the Lord to give more than they'd ever given into an offering. And it was one of those slightly sweaty things where you're thinking, how is this gonna turn out? They put the offering in on the Sunday and he said, on the Monday, they received a gift for exactly the same amount down to the nearest penny. Now, I appreciate it doesn't always work out like that. You don't always get it immediately. You don't always get it exactly. That's never been our experience. But I tell you, when you position yourself obediently, God will come and meet you in it. 
Now we're going to be unpacking more about how we can walk in obedience to God next week. But let me just give you a quick ABC uh, of things that you and I can do in this season to position ourselves for more of God's provision. A, always give to God first. Say first. And if you'd agree that right now, the, one of the biggest challenges is to give to God first. I think often in a pressured season like this, we think, let me meet all my needs and if there's anything left over, then I will give to God. Feels like a logical, sensible thing to do. But listen to this promise in Proverbs 3. Solomon says this, he says, honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, not the last bits of all your crops. Then, in other words, this is a conditional promise. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. It's like an act of warfare. Do you actually believe when we say with, a, with our money, we say, God, I'm giving you the first, we are declaring, even in this area of money, God, I trust you that when I put this into your hands, you are gonna ensure provision over the rest of my life. Now, Nazir and I, we've been, we've been seeking to obey that for the last 22 years or so by every single month making sure we bring the tithe, the first 10% of our income, to our local church every month, except for one. Now, during those 22 years, we have never had any month where we've been in debt, except for one. And that was where we decided we knew better than God. What we decided we'd do is we'll take the tithe, we'd stick it in a savings account, we get interested on it, and at the end of the month, we give it to God. God gets his tithe, we get interest, everyone's blessed, God's good. Except, even though our income didn't change, and our spending didn't change, the end of that month, we were the first time in debt. Guess what we did next month? We got the tithe to God at the start of the month, because we thought, okay, if that's the way the kingdom of heaven's economy works, then that's the way we're gonna operate, even if it doesn't appear to make rational sense. Let me challenge you in this season. I wonder if any of you have stopped giving to God first. I've heard people say, I can't afford to tithe, and I, un I understand the pressure. But so long as we're careful and wise with the other 90%, I wanna say to us, Often, folks, we can't afford not to tithe because that's the way we begin to release the blessing of God over our lives. A, always give to God first. B, be aware of how healthy your finances are. Solomon, again, he says this, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. According to one survey in the UK, one in five Britons, and I actually say it's probably three in five by now, suffer from a, an identified psychological condition called financial phobia. And it's a condition that prevents them from being willing to sort out their personal finances. Uh, some of the symptoms are an unwillingness to look at our accounts, to measure what our income and expenditure are, to see where the two measure up. And it's often comes with things like feeling anxious, feeling guilty, and feeling out of control. I suspect many of us feel like that in this season. It's totally understandable. I'd almost rather not know than actually know the reality of it. But Solomon's saying, no, get hold of what's actually happening with your money, because if you want to get somewhere, you've got to know where you are right now. And I, I believe we're finding this, me and Zia, 
that actually this is a season where you can learn to manage your finances better than ever, partly because of the pressure that we're under. Now, I don't have time to unpack this much, but let me just give you a few very practical things. How many of you know Black Friday is coming? A few weeks' time. Yeah, okay. Now, anybody else vulnerable to bargains? Okay, so you see that thing and it says, bargain, TV, costs 350, but only costs you 100, so it's gonna save you 250 pounds. Man, I'm in it. Save 250 pounds, I'll buy it. Except, have I saved 250 pounds? What have I done? I'm, I'm down 100, okay? So I, I've had to learn to train myself to go, that ain't a bargain. I'll be 100 quid, worse off. I'm from Yorkshire, forget it. <laughs> okay, learn, bargains are not always what they appear to be. Six weeks from today, it's gonna be Christmas Day. Do you know, we want you to be happy, not just on Christmas Day, but in January. Can we make a decision today that says we are not going to overspend in this season? How many of you got kids and you buy them loads of things and the only thing they play with is a cardboard box? Okay, get them a cardboard box. Wrap it up nice and say, God bless you, I love you. God is good. Don't take that too seriously, please. <clears throat> but in seriousness, maybe some of you need to get help. Maybe right now you have financial phobia. Well, let's make this a season where we say, it's okay to say, I need help. You know, if you're in a life group, you're in relational connection with others, let's ask one another, are you actually doing okay in this season? How's your family? I think in the UK, we're not usually very good at asking people, are your finances okay? But let's shift it with people we know and love. And let's make this a safe place where if you need help, you can get the help you need and ask for it without feeling ashamed for one moment. A, always give to God first. B, be aware of how healthy your finances are. C, cultivate a life of generosity. What do I mean by generosity? Well, generosity, I believe, means to live with open hands and an open heart. So when God asks us to give, we're in a position ready to give to other people. Wouldn't it be amazing if in this season, what people learned about the church is that we are a people who live with open hands, not closed hands. And that when he calls us to give, we are ready and willing to open our hands and be a blessing to others. Because you know, sometimes that question, does God care for our finances? It's great to know God cares, but isn't it wonderful to know a human being cares enough to give me something and help meet the material, practical needs that I've got? You're allowed to clap. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget, this is again many years ago, Zira and I had come back from, from Africa. Uh, we were living in Durham in a freezing cold house. Zira was, was eight months pregnant with our first child. I was unemployed, couldn't get work. And the, the, the pathetic heating we, we had in our house broke down. I'm like, what are we gonna do? Somehow news got out to our little local Baptist church. And in one evening, three of them, and one of them, I didn't even know their name, came knocking on our doors and they brought us heaters. And, and even now it makes me cry to think, isn't God's family amazing? That there were we in need and they came and that said, God cares and I care for you too. In, in the book of Acts, we read this about the early church. It says, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons. That doesn't mean there wasn't anybody in need. It means their needs were met. 
From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Wouldn't it be amazing testimony to this Kingsgate Church family if we could get through this current cost of living crisis and say, because of our generosity to one another, there was no one whose need was not met in this season because of the grace of God at work among us. You know, we, we've said, let's be a people who, on the website it says, get help if you need it, but let's be a people who give help. You know, I, know, I know many of us, well, actually we're not in crisis. You have got some financial margin in this season. Well, join in the joy of generosity. I, I believe even now as I'm speaking, for some of you, God is putting on your heart the name of someone that you know well who you could just go and say, can I help you in this season? It might be something physical, like a heater, or it might be a way of supporting someone financially with their, their mortgage or their, their need for fuel in this season, whatever it is. And that's not only for people who've got margins. Sometimes when you're at your tightest, God will prompt you to give, and in that giving, blessing will come upon you. Well, I wanna, I wanna say to us, Kingsgate, let, let's be a people. I don't know where your trust muscle in God is at right now, but I believe as we feed that muscle on the promises of God and as we exercise that muscle, stepping out in obedience to Him, that we are gonna see financial, material miracles in this season. Some literally supernatural, but many of them natural, done through human beings like you and me. Now, wherever we are today, whether you're in the room or you're online, we're now gonna respond to the message that we've just heard. And what I wanna do is I wanna pray two prayers. The second is gonna be for those of us who would already count ourselves to be Christ followers. And I wanna pray for you to know contentment in this season and to be able to walk in obedience to the will of God. But actually first, I wanna pray for any who are online or in this room where you actually haven't made a decision yet to follow Jesus. Or you did many years ago and actually you've, you've stepped away from Him. And the idea that there is a God who just doesn't just know you, but He has compassion for you and He's able to help you is foreign to you. But actually, just as God calls us to pray for our daily bread, He also, He makes no assumptions. He waits for you and I to say, Jesus, come into my life before He comes in. So I wanna lead us in a short prayer where we're inviting Jesus for the first time into our life. And I wanna say to you, you don't have to do this season alone. There is a God who loves you. There is a God who cares for you. But you need to open the door and invite Him into your life. If you mind, just in this room, just bowing your head, closing your eyes as we pray. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer, a phrase at a time. Wherever you are, just repeat this prayer quietly with me. Lord Jesus, I need your help today. And I invite you to come into my life. I thank you that you died for me on the cross. Please forgive me for all the wrong things I have done. And come and live in my life and help me walk with you in your name. Amen. If you, you prayed that prayer, today for the first time, or maybe to come back to the Lord. You're part of a church family. We, we wanna help you 
take strong next steps. So at the end of our service, wherever you are, we'll give you some instructions as to how to be able to take those next steps. Please pay attention to them and please bravely step out on them. But now let's, let's all stand together. I wanna pray for us. We're gonna make a declaration of a great song, Good, Good Father, where we're declaring our confidence and trust in God. If you just, just lift your hands with me now, almost as a way of saying, God, I, I thank you that everything I have has come from you and I'm trusting you. Just I've had this um, for a few days now. I keep seeing this, this image of a parent who I think it's a mother and you've got, you're very, very anxious about your kids. And one of your children is, is obsessed with planets and the universe and they, they've got a, a, um, a duvet cover and it's, it's black, but it's got stars and planets on it. And you're just so anxious about this coming season, wondering how you're gonna cope. And I wanna say to you as we pray now, God says, just put your trust in Him. He's able, He's gonna help you. And I believe as you sing the song, we're gonna sing in a minute, that peace is gonna come upon you. And as you choose to trust Him, contentment, supernatural contentment, is gonna come in your home. And Father, I pray that right out across this Kingsgate family. Father, we would be a people who'd be able to say with Paul, we are learning to be content. Whether we've got a lot or a little, there's a contentment on the inside of us, Father, that comes because of our trust is in Jesus. And we believe that you are able to hold us and keep us in your name. So as we sing this, good, good Father, let's make a declaration of our confidence in Him.